All right, guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Hoops Podcast. It is Thursday, March the 15th, 2018, and yes, the madness has officially begun. As I'm recording this, there are games going on all over the place, uh, and it's just already a lot of fun. Uh, just as I'm recording this, Tennessee has already advanced, beating Wright State 73-47, a dominant performance from the Vols. Uh, and, and we talk a little bit about that later with today's guest, and that is our good friend Sam Snelling from over at Rock M Nation. Had Sam on the podcast several times. Uh, I've been on his podcast several times. Always a very fun discussion when it comes to SEC basketball, and we specifically uh, are talking about just the SEC's draw in the tournament, but more specifically uh, the Missouri Tigers, who are going to be playing in Nashville, uh, taking on Florida State in the 8-9 game in the West. Uh, will most likely, if Missouri advances, meet uh, Xavier in the second round, and that will certainly be an intriguing matchup should that happen. But we talked a lot about uh, Missouri's first-round matchup with Florida State with Sam uh, talking about just Michael Porter Jr., of course, back in the lineup, uh, not having Jordan Barnett on the floor and how that kind of impacts them, and then what the keys uh, to victory will be against the Seminoles, which uh, one of those teams that, that's kind of been you know, up and down at times, and you're not really sure what you're going to get sometimes from Florida State, so it makes for a very interesting matchup. We also broke down the West region in general. Should Missouri advance, uh, what would kind of be their road ahead in that region like we talked about potential matchups against Xavier and other teams as well uh, throughout the West and there's teams like North Carolina Michigan uh, Gonzaga Ohio State those types of teams Uh, so we broke down the entire region just to see what the path ahead could look like uh, for the Missouri Tigers so uh, without any further ado here's the conversation with Rock M Nation writer Sam Snelling all right guys uh, joining me now here on the podcast is Sam Snelling and we're going to break down the uh, Missouri Tigers in the NCAA tournament. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, we've been going through over at southeasthoops.com, breaking down the road ahead for all the SEC teams in the tournament. We've done some of them in written form. We've done some in podcast form, and obviously this is one that will be done uh, in audio form, and we are excited to welcome back Sam over from over at Rock M Nation. Uh, Sam, I know you're fighting off a bit of a cold, but <laughs> hey, Missouri's back in the NCAA tournament, so you're just going to have to get it together and power through. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, the natural adrenaline that's sort of carrying me a little bit through the week. Uh, we're trying to just power through and provide as much uh, sound analysis without letting the medicine kind of get to my head. Yeah, we'll know if things go off the rails, so uh, at least it'll make for an entertaining and fun podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's start with Missouri. Just the general thoughts. Obviously, you know, they get the eighth seed in the West. They come to Nashville, which I'm excited about being here and being able to go to those games and see uh, these games here in the West region up close and personal. Uh, when you look at where Missouri kind of enters going into just the tournament itself, obviously the Jordan Barnett thing is not something that, that was welcomed in terms of you don't want to lose a guy like that going into your first-round matchup. But just what are your thoughts just on where Missouri stands here in this tournament? Well, I think as far as being an eight seed and, and you know how the draw sort of lays out, I don't think you could have asked for a better situation. Uh, you know, Yeah, they are going to be missing Jordan Barnett, but they – 
They don't play until late on Friday, which means if they can, you know, get by Florida State, that they'll have them for, you know, the Sunday game uh, potentially against uh, Xavier. I think most people think Xavier will take care of business against Texas Southern. Um, but uh, you know, kind of going into it, I think the, uh, the the concern, not just with really Jordan Barnett, but you know, having Cullen Van Leer out and and just re- trying to uh, acclimate Michael Porter Jr. into the lineup. Um, you know, he's a guy that just demands so much attention that it, it I think, caused Missouri some uh, changes to their offense, you know, in the Georgia game. And I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how they maybe adjust with, a you know, another week and a half of practice uh, going into the Florida State game. But I think as far as the draw is concerned, I don't think you could have asked for uh, a better matchup, mainly just because, you know, you're looking at uh, a Florida State team that kind of struggles to uh, defend jump shots, and that's sort of Missouri's strong suit. And then you have... Xavier, who I think is uh, not really arguably just is like the weakest one seed. And you're looking at the other two uh, or three one seeds. I think they're by far the the most vulnerable. And, and I was talking to somebody earlier. I think when you compare all the four regions, it feels like the West is the region that could produce kind of the wackiest results because, you know, I don't know how many national title contenders you have in the West region. And I think that's something where if you look at some of these teams, you can find weaknesses with pretty much everyone. Um, and so maybe looking at it that way, it does feel like a really good draw if you're Missouri. And obviously having Michael Porter Jr. back is a big help. You mentioned the, the game against Georgia. I know a lot of people were certainly disappointed with the result. We were all sitting there in St. Louis, which you live there. I'm there. I'm getting just jacked up, ready to see Missouri and Kentucky go at it the next day. And that atmosphere in there was going to be fun. And then Georgia comes out, wins that game. Uh, with Michael Porter, Conzo Martin said it. He just he thought he had he thought he took good shots. Uh, he didn't really think that there was a huge impact in terms of the overall offense. Uh, did you just kind of see it that way? In that you know, it's a guy that still hasn't played all year long, getting his legs under him, and you feel like now with a little bit of rest here, preparation, he's going to come back and maybe not necessarily be the same player he was, but before the injury, and he's still going to need some time to get back. But you feel like he's going to be a much better position here heading into this Florida State game. Well, I think that's certainly the hope. I mean, I don't want to put too many eggs in one basket, but that's <laughs> kind of what you have to do when you're talking about Michael Porter Jr. You know, the thing about about him is he's such a high usage player that you can't really have him on the floor and and basically have him be like you know Jonte Porter who can you know maybe take six shots a game or take eleven shots a game. Like Michael Porter Jr. when he's when he's playing, he's going to be taking, you know, probably like a quarter to a third of the shots on the floor when he's on the floor. And and uh, overall, I think that's probably what you want him doing when he's at his healthiest. But Missouri, I think, is just trying to figure out how to play with him again. And not that he's been practicing and they, you know, they they played with them in the in the summer and the fall. So I don't think it's like a, a concern with chemistry. Like, it's not that guys are. You know, like oh, we have to we have to pass Mike the ball. Like you know, they're they're used to playing together. It's just a matter of of Mike kind of getting back to where he is and, and being the reliable player that I think people expect him to be, and not being a guy that can only go for about twenty to twenty two minutes maybe, uh, and still find a way to take thirteen to fifteen shots, yeah. uh, and and not shoot a good percentage. I just don't think that's really the kind of player that Mike expects himself to be. 
when you look at the matchup with Florida State, we talked about earlier on, and, and you know, you're looking at a team that, that maybe is better offensively than people will kind of give them credit for, uh, which maybe hasn't always been the case with Florida State. In Leonard Hamilton, defense is kind of one of the things that they prided themselves on. They do have some good size, like we talk about. I think it's going to be a good size matchup with both teams. Uh, what's the biggest sort of key to victory in your mind for Missouri and being able to, to beat Florida State in this first-round game? Well, I, I think obviously the obvious question or answer to that is is jump shooting. I mean, that's Missouri's strength. It, it has been all year. But to me, it, it te- kind of comes down more to tempo. Florida State's a team that tends to kind of play at least offensively at a little bit of a quicker tempo, and they they certainly like uh, you know to kind of turn things up. And you know, they can get nine or ten guys deep and 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 really kind of get into their bench. And Missouri really isn't that team. Missouri wants kind of slow it down. Uh, they just don't have the depth, uh, especially with Coleman. They're out now. I mean, they're going to have to rely on on walk-on Brett Rao, uh, who you saw play some minutes in, in Georgia, yeah. and he's going to probably have to play five or ten minutes, uh, even even with Michael Porter Jr. being a little bit more healthy. So I think when it comes to Missouri, like they're really going to have to focus on tempo. Uh, I think they, they're not afraid to get out and run here and there, but, but I, they really want to make Florida State work for their shots. Uh, if they can force the Seminoles to kind of play more in the half court, then I think this is a, this is a game that, that Missouri can control. And if they're making their shots, then I think that they can win, uh, you know, maybe not by like 20 or anything, but I, I think there's something that they could win by, by 8 to 10 points. Yeah, I think we've seen Florida State at times this year just kind of They've had some head-scratching games, and I think anybody would would kind of tell you that that's watched them play all year long. Like you said, do play at a faster tempo on the offensive end of the floor, but it just doesn't always come together for them. And We've seen them get blown out in a lot of situations here. I mean, you look at three of their last four losses at least. They were all the way from home. Uh, They all came by 13 points or more. And so it's a team that isn't necessarily playing its best basketball. They've played tough competition in the ACC, of course. Uh, but it will be kind of a fascinating first-round matchup. But let's go ahead and play the hypothetical game because, listen, that's what I love to do, and that's why we're, <laughs> we're breaking down the road ahead for all these teams and not necessarily just the first-round matchup. But we talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, the most likely matchup is obviously probably going to be Xavier, and you mentioned it being when you look at the one-seeds, you feel like Xavier is the most vulnerable of all those one-seeds in the tournament. A very efficient offensive team, not necessarily always uh, that way on the defensive end of the floor. They have good experience. They have good size. I think Chris Mack is someone that's continued to kind of be undervalued as a head coach, which I don't know how he continues to fly under the radar uh, and maybe doesn't from Xavier fans' perspective, but I don't think he gets enough credit for what he's done there. When you look ahead to to that potential second-round matchup, you talked about it a little bit earlier on, but what are the biggest things you think in terms of a positive and why it's such a good draw just in that scenario? Should they wind up playing Xavier in the second round? Well, I think you uh, and I are both uh, Ken Pomeroy guys, and yeah. I I think a lot of what Ken Pom and his numbers kind of say about the quality of a team. And Xavier is, is the 14th-ranked team in the country in Ken Pom. Uh, they're the only team that has a one seed that's outside of the top ten. Um, you know, all of the two seeds are ahead of them. I think all of the three seeds are ahead of them. It's yeah. just one of those things. Like they uh, they won the games they needed to win, and winning the Big East, I think, was sort of a big key for them. Uh, but when you look at like their offensive and defensive efficiency, 
their offensive efficiency is very high. From a standpoint of what Missouri does, Missouri is sort of capable of mucking up the game, uh, particularly on the defensive end. And you look at how Xavier tends to kind of run their offense. And you look at like Trevin Blewett and the amount of usage that he gets. So if Blewett has an off night, like Xavier can really kind of struggle to win games. And even though like I like guys like J.P. Mercura, I think, think he's a really good player. Uh, big fan of Najee Marshall. Uh, I think his his ceiling's really high. Uh, I like Kaiser Gates' ability to kind of stretch the floor. But everyone on that roster outside of Blewett is just sort of limited offensively. So they, they tend to get good shots, and I, I agree. I think you know Chris Mackham, the job that he does, if he's not one of the 10 best coaches in America, I'm, I'm not really sure what list yeah, uh, we're exactly. looking at. But uh, I just think when you, when you break down uh, their deficiencies on defense and, and how they are a little bit flawed, uh, and you look at their over-reliance on kind of one guy to carry the load offensively, that it gets to be a team that you can reach if you're a mid-seed like Missouri. And even if it's like, even if Missouri doesn't beat Florida State, like I still think Xavier is vulnerable to uh, Florida State in round two. I think they're vulnerable to uh, the winner of, uh, you know, the the other round, which I, I think on my bracket, I've got Gonzaga coming out of that. So, um, you know, I, I actually think that they probably are going to get by Missouri, but I, it would not surprise me one bit to see Gonzaga in the Elite Eight uh, or Ohio State uh, in the Elite Eight. Uh, mainly because I just think that when you're talking about a team getting deep into March, you want uh, fewer flaws. Although it does kind of tend to favor teams that can score offensively, and if Blewett can get it hot, I think they can beat anybody in the country. Yeah, and I'm I'm, the, I'm glad you said it at the end because that's my thing. I can pick them apart a lot and, and kind of look at them and say, yeah, they are the weakest of the one seeds, and feel like. They maybe can be very vulnerable, but you can also see this team going on a run, which we saw them last year, the noise they made uh, as a team that was seated that low, and you still feel like with Chris Mack at the helm, uh, they have a chance to, to really you know get to the Final Four. There's no doubt, but I do think there are some potential roadblocks, and we talked about it, uh, even coming out of the winter of the Missouri-Florida State game and then possibly against Gonzaga or Ohio State. I think both of those teams would be in a very good spot in that Sweet 16 matchup. All right, let's talk about just the region as a whole. We've talked about a lot about that top half of the bracket, what Missouri's potential road is there. When you look on the other side of the bracket, just in general, the Michigan thing is kind of fascinating to me because they've had such a long layoff, and I don't know if if we're just kind of overblowing something like that because they haven't played since March the 4th. And it, which is very unusual, certainly, for the Big Ten champion. We're used to them playing uh, there leading into the selection show on Sunday. But you look at Michigan on the other side. North Carolina's obviously the two seed. I don't know what to believe with Texas A&M. I mean, this is a team that if they play to their potential, they, they feel like they can beat anybody in the country. But I don't know that we've seen them play to that level in quite a while now. Uh, what, what do you make just of that other side of the bracket there? It's a mess. I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. This, this is like my least favorite bracket to to look through and, and try to pick games. Um, I agree. <laughs> the, you know, the A&M-Providence matchup, to me, like that's a really tough matchup for Texas A&M, mainly because Providence has such good guard play. Uh, and, and you talk about, you know, underrated coaches. Uh, I just think like Providence and their ability to uh, defend and, and make shots 
from, I would say, kind of like that 15 to 18 foot range uh, and do it with their guards, which is obviously A&M's weakness. I, I think that that's a game that they're really vulnerable in. Uh, I agree with you on Michigan. I, I, I've kind of got them picked out a little bit, um, mainly because I just I, I kind of think that Providence has a chance to get by a Texas A&M, and if they get by a Texas A&M, I think they've got a chance to upset UNC. Um, but that Michigan-Montana matchup to me is a little bit scary because you talk about like really good, aggressive guards, and that's what Montana does. Uh, and has, and I, I think that they're a pretty underrated uh, a team for that that 14 seed. I think you probably could have put them at a 12, and I don't think a lot of people would have batted an eye. But the interesting thing to me is is uh, the 611 game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I mean, glad, just... I'm glad you brought that up because I th- <laughs> I think that could be one of the best first round matchups of the entire tournament. Yeah. So like San Diego State, I mean, are are they? Are they good? Like, I can't. I, I'm a little <laughs> bit surprised that they got that high of a seed. They're obviously, I think they're playing pretty well right now. Uh, and Houston's had a nice season in the AAC. But I just, like, that's just sort of like a questionable game. Like, I have no idea which way that's going to go. Um, but that, the the other game that I think a lot of people are are sort of zeroing in on is the, the Ohio State, South Dakota State. Um, and I just, I'm such a big fan of Chris Holtman and the way he prepares his teams and and how hard they play. Uh, and there just seem to be a lot of people that are just like, oh, like I've got to pick a 5-12 upset. I'm going to take South Dakota State just because Ohio State wasn't supposed to be that good. And that just, to me, like just screams like, nope, that means Ohio State's going to have all the incentive to kind of come in and be ready. Yeah. I think a much more likely 5-12 upset that would probably like New Mexico State over Clemson, um, probably a little bit more, and maybe Davidson over Kentucky. I think I would take those way before I would take uh, South Dakota State. So it's a weird bracket, man. And I, you know, like it's one of those things where it would not surprise me to see like Michael Porter Jr. just kind of go crazy and carry Mizzou to the Elite Eight. Um, it also would not surprise me to see Xavier uh, win each game by, you know, 15 to 20 points and and just run away from everybody. It's just it's a weird bracket. I just got, like it makes me uncomfortable having to to pick a lot of those games. <laughs> well, and that goes back to what we talked about earlier, and that's why I asked about that because I think when you bring it full circle, from Missouri's standpoint, I just I, I like the bracket a whole lot. I mean, if you can get past that first round game, you feel like there's enough chaos that could happen everywhere else to where you beat Florida State, you come out and play you know one of your better games of the season and take down Xavier, and it's like things open up a lot from there because you don't know what you're going to get from some of these other games. And so I, I do think, you know, when we talk about teams that could potentially find their way uh, as, you know, quote-unquote surprise teams, sleeper-type teams, I just think it's hard to sleep on some of these teams like a Missouri in this region just because you don't know what's going to happen uh, all over the place because it, it just it could be the wild, wild west. I don't think there's any doubt. That's the best analogy you can use uh, with this region because and it seems like it's always that way with the west. I don't know why, but um, we usually get that. So, all right, Sam, let's wrap up with this. You've obviously seen the bracket from the SEC perspective. You and I have talked a lot of SEC basketball this season. Eight teams get into the tournament. Um, when you look around just at the draw for, for all these different teams, I feel like Tennessee has the best draw, and that's not just because they're the three seed. I think I really like the way that the bracket unfolds for them there in the south with potential matchups uh, against the Cincinnati-type team in the Sweet 16. And then when you look elsewhere, 
Um, you know, I don't really know what to expect everywhere else because I think you could you could make the case for some of these teams getting beat in the first round. You could make the case for some of these teams winning multiple games. But to me, when you look at the whole thing, it feels like a team like Tennessee probably has the best chance to get there. What are your thoughts just on the overall draw for the SEC? So the the balance of the league it is one of those things where it wouldn't surprise me if we don't have a single SEC team you know win in the first round, right? Uh, but it also wouldn't surprise me if we had like six teams in the Elite Eight. You know what I mean? Like you just look at uh, each matchup and you're like, ah, you know, like that's a tough matchup. Uh, Alabama, Villanova, if they can get by Virginia Tech, I mean, it's just. It's hard to be like, oh, I'm going to pick Alabama to beat Villanova. But, I mean, the way Colin Sexton has been playing down the stretch, if they get Dante Hall back, I mean, that's just that's a team that can cause lots of mismatch uh, issues for a really sound Villanova team. But I, it's certainly not a game where I'm just like, oh, far and away, like Villanova should win that. Yeah. Uh, I think, actually, like Florida has a really good draw if they can get past St. Bonaventure, mainly because I, I really like the Bonnies. I think they're a really tough team. I don't know if you got to watch them last night, but they're they're fun and 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 they play hard. And if Florida gets by them though, uh it wouldn't surprise me to see Stephen F. Austin upset Texas Tech. I still think Texas Tech's probably gonna win that. But whenever you have like a defensive minded team who tends to slow the you know the pace to play and and really they really struggle to score the ball offensively. That leads to some upset possibilities. So, uh, weirdly enough, I actually uh, maybe it's a little bit SEC homer of me, but I have uh, <laughs> Florida and Arkansas meeting in the uh, Sweet 16 uh, as the six and the seven seed. Just you know, with Arkansas, and it's like their ability to just kind of you know speed up the tempo for Purdue a little bit. Um, but overall, like it's just one of those things. Like it's really hard to read how all these teams who all have very obvious flaws. Uh, and if they're able to kind of cover up the flaws, I just don't know if there's one draw that I think is is maybe the best. The one that I, I really kind of feel for is Auburn. Yeah. Um, as good as their season has been, they've, they've really kind of struggled down the stretch, and they looked absolutely awful against uh, Alabama in that second half. And and you sort of wonder, you could just kind of see things uh, falling apart a little bit, and, and guys kind of bickering a little bit on the floor, and and that's not really where you want uh, your team kind of getting ready for the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Uh, so them as a four seed, I, I have a hard time seeing them kind of get to a Sweet 16 matchup. Uh, but if if they can kind of recapture a little bit of, of their, their pace of play and their shot making, then I think they'd be a really tough matchup for Kansas. Yeah, I think Auburn's problem, like you said, is, is more the draw because you're in a region where – I mean, you can legitimately see Kansas, Duke, Michigan State all winning the national title, and I think it's it's such a loaded region from that standpoint. But I'm with you. When you go to that East region, Florida and Arkansas, I think things really set up well for them if they're the teams that we've seen them be kind of at their peak, with Florida especially, because St. Bonaventure, yeah, they played well against UCLA, but I still think it's a matchup where guard-wise – Florida can match up very well uh, when their guards play to that level, when they shoot the ball the way we know they can. And then with Arkansas, like you mentioned, my goodness, the way Daniel Gafford has played, uh, I think we all knew he'd be pretty good, but he is absolutely just turned into a, a phenom. And if they can speed the game up against Purdue, that's one of those 7-2 matchups. It seems like we see sometimes throughout the years 
where you see the seventh seed kind of dominate the tempo, dominate the style of play, and have a chance to really move on. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Sam, I know you're you're on the DL, the disabled list here, <laughs> but I appreciate you uh, coming in to uh, join me here as always. Always enjoy the discussion. Uh, for everyone that's going to be looking for your stuff, which most of the people listening to this already know where it's at, but let them know where they can find all your stuff here. Uh, well, the website's uh, rockmnation.com. We're a part of the SB Nation uh, family of uh, fan, fan sites. And uh, the I think the big draw right now is uh, my podcast with Matt Harris called Dive Cuts. Uh, so that's available. You can find it just by searching for Rockm Radio or you can just go to Rockm Nation and find it there. But we've got a lot of stuff coming up with the uh, with the NCAAs and, and some previewing and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to uh, to kind of, you know, sinking in and, and digging in on Florida State. Yep, I'm enjoying seeing it. Like I said, here in Nashville, we'll be at all those games. Really looking forward to watching that Missouri-Florida State matchup, and we'll see what happens there if the Tigers can get past uh, the Seminoles there in the first round. Sam, always enjoy it, man. Thanks for, thanks for joining me. Anytime, Blake, anytime. All right, that was the conversation with Sam Snelling. Always enjoy it. Uh, a great basketball mind and really – be sure you find his stuff. If you're a Missouri fan listening to this, you already know about Sam's work. Uh, but if you're someone who hasn't read Sam's work before, be sure to go over to rockhamnation.com. He's on Twitter at Sam T. Snelling. Uh, be sure you follow all that. He does an excellent job, not just with Missouri, uh, but also within the SEC as well. Does a wonderful job breaking down all the action. So uh, that'll wrap up uh, this episode of the Southeast Tubes podcast. Be sure you subscribe. Go over to iTunes. Search for Southeast Tubes. That way you don't miss any of these episodes we're going to be having here throughout March. Uh, we've already broke down some of the paths for all these teams in the SEC. Some are in written form over at southeasthoops.com. Some are in audio form. We had the episode with Jake Winterman talking about Florida's path. Uh, and we'll also have one coming up as well on the Arkansas Razorbacks, who will tip off on Friday uh, as well. So we'll see what happens there. So be sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of these upcoming episodes. Uh, thanks as always for listening, and we will talk to you guys next time.